This is the 86th episode of Decoding Fox News, and I am your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze. This past week, it was 16 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Let's get into it. Last week, Fox News beating the drums of war while openly mocking Republicans over the Speaker of the House fiasco. Now, this first clip is Sean Hannity, who did a two-hour live extravaganza on Thursday, hoping for something big. At home, we buckle up. We got a two-hour live show with our studio uh, audience tonight, uh, along with a ton of breaking new developments out of Israel, Gaza. By the way, a lot of talk, a lot of chatter tonight that the ground invasion into Gaza may begin as early as this show. The IDF has now been given the green light to launch their full-scale ground invasion into the Gaza Strip. Again, that could happen at any moment tonight. Now, you said at the beginning of your monologue that there's a sense that something could happen and could happen imminently here in Israel. We are getting that same sense. Now, this is where in Gaza, where Israel tro Israeli troops now are, are amassed in huge numbers, IDF officials have issued the green light for the ground invasion to begin. But uh, the storm clouds are definitely gathering for something. All of that taken together might give you a reasonable expectation that something is about to happen. At this, um, this is getting serious. It All is. indications are, and every source I have on the ground is saying it's imminent. Yes. Right. Uh, now, for more on Israel's imminent ground war, all indications are they've got the green light. It's a go. Well, uh, good to be with you, Sean, on this on this uh, sober night. But as it looks like the invasion and uh, the incursion into Gaza may may start. Yeah. Well, our prayers are with you as this invasion now seems imminent. Now, Hannity did the exact same thing again on Friday, but his show was only one hour. It was also live. And of course, there was no ground invasion. Um, they kept making excuses like, oh, there's the Sabbath, so it won't be on the Sabbath, and that's why. And, oh, now they'll do it the day after the Sabbath. Well, they haven't done it yet. And there have been some hostages. More hostages have been released. Uh, that could be why they're delaying it. I don't know. But I found that whole drumbeat to war. I mean, they're already at war, but that whole drumbeat to even a bloodier war, a bit macabre. I think it's fair to say. It's interesting how selective Fox gets about war, when they want it and when they ignore it and when they don't care. So Fox News loves a good war story as its ideal fuel for any propagandist. One side becomes the first perfect champion of democracy and freedom, while the other is a demonic subhuman force that is a threat to civilization. For a network like Fox, the war is a good fit as Israel is a much wealthier and modernized country with strong ties to the U.S., and Gaza is filled with impoverished masses who practice a faith that conservatives have long vilified and feared. By enthusiastically supporting Israel, Fox News is also playing up to the Christian evangelical community that views Israel as part of a biblical prophecy that will bring on the rapture, a time when believing Christians will ascend to heaven as the world descends into chaos and destruction. The network has made no attempt to explore the complex history of the region that might explain why the Palestinians in Gaza live largely in poverty in a walled-off area where their movements are greatly restricted. It also has provided no context to why Israelis might live in fear of their Palestinian neighbors. Fox has ignored most stories from the region since I started this project in February 2022. When the network did cover an incident, the segments were brief, 
oversimplified and biased towards Israel. Coverage of the war last week helped diminish the ongoing fiasco that is the Republican Party's search for a new Speaker of the House. There is also little mention of former President Donald J. Trump's many legal problems. So this episode will have some moments of levity later on in the program as we discuss the Speaker of the House fiasco, which is funny. I mean, that's comedy gold. Uh, <laughs> so there are, it, it is lightening up a little bit. Um, however, it does start with a lot of the war footage. It was 75% of the programming last week on Fox, so there's no way to avoid this. And it is very important as it does affect the United States. And people have incredibly strong feelings about this. Um, I'm doing my best to not infuse this newsletter or podcast with my own personal feelings about Israel-Palestine. I'm not here to tell you how to think or push my own agenda. I'm here to show how Fox breaks this down. Um, I think some people want me to be all opinionated about this, at least they seem to on social media, but I am trying my best not to be because that's not my gig. It's just not my gig. And I think it would get in the way of my job if I did that. So this first series of clips, this is over a few days, is sort of the worst comments that Jesse Waters made about Palestinians. And this, he kind of sounds like a smug little bratty eighth grader. And I don't mean to insult eighth graders when I say that, because some eighth graders are beautiful, beautiful people. But some are, you know, that 11 to 13 year old a time frame, if you've ever worked with children, age range, I should say, can be difficult, can be challenging, because children are sort of trying to figure out who they are, what they're trying to be, and they can be kind of abrasive and it's, it's challenging. If you, any parent, I'm not a parent, but I've worked with kids, 11 to 13 is tricky. So I think of that when I think of his comments, just that he doesn't quite know what he's talking about, but feels very confident in what he's saying. Jesse Waters, here we go. That's how you have to frame this. This is about civilization, and then you have monsters on the other side. How would you like to live next door to a serial killer who is plotting to kill your children all day long? That's what they're expecting the Israelis to do. These people cannot coexist as neighbors. They just cannot do it. Uh, I don't think we can have a Palestinian state at this point. I've had it with the Palestinians. I've given up on the Palestinians. If I was in Israel, I wouldn't be talking about a Palestinian state right now. I don't think Joe Biden should be talking about a Palestinian state right now. And I don't like how people tried to differentiate between the Palestinians and Hamas. To me, I see people with guns. That's Hamas. The people without the guns are the Palestinians. They believe the same thing. The Palestinians hire Hamas to run their government. You pull them. They all love killing Jews. It's in their charter. They say they believe in suicide bombings. Every time a Palestinian refugee goes to another country, it doesn't work out so well for the other country and for those Palestinians. No one wants them. You don't see Egypt opening up their doors. You don't see Jordan opening up. You don't see the Saudis. Why don't they want the Palestinians, Dana? I think we all know why they don't want the Palestinians, and it's not working out, having these Palestinians and Hamas right next door to the Israelis. So again, I understand having strong feelings about Hamas. They massacred civilians. They showed absolute, absolute brutality, no humanity, when they tortured people, raped women, stole children and the elderly as hostages, did truly sadistic things. It's all coming out. It's just absolutely horrific. I get having rage for Hamas. However, the Hamas-Palestinian situation is complex. It's not as simple as the Palestinian people equal Hamas 
We know this. Anyone who studied this could show this and prove it. So that's what Jesse Waters is missing here. And he offers no solutions. He just says they shouldn't live next to Israelis. Okay, so then what are you going to do with 2 million people? Are you going to know you, you claim in your statements that no other country wants them, so they can't go anywhere, but you're saying that they shouldn't live next to Israelis. So what are you going to do with them, Jesse Waters? You're either talking about genocide or forced migration, neither of which are a good situation. So what are you going to do? You don't offer any solutions. You just have these strong feelings of someone who doesn't quite understand this conflict. So Hamas won an election in 2007, then deprived the people of Gaza of any opportunity to pick new leadership. As I pointed out last week, when Palestinians living in Gaza have attempted to protest against Hamas, they are met with brute force. Their homes are searched and ransacked. They are tossed in prison, tortured, or beaten by police. In 2019, during a large demonstration, Hamas arrested over 1,000 protesters, including two senior representatives of the Palestinian watchdog, the Independent Commission for Human Rights, ICHR, as well as journalists and political rivals from Fatah, a competing party that partially rules the West Bank, another Palestinian enclave that is under Israeli military occupation. So the regime also imposes stiff taxes on Palestinians living in Gaza and has diverted international relief aid to help pay for tunnels, weapons, and rockets to attack Israel. Um, so that's part of the problem here. Um, it's Yes, they have horrible leadership, but they also can't get rid of this horrible. So in the newsletter, there are hyperlinks that will take you to, especially in, in the topic of um, Palestinians in Gaza, will take you to sources that break down the abuse by Hamas of Palestinians, of torture, arrests, detainment, the whole nine yards, in specific detail. I don't really have time to explore it here because we're going to go through a bunch of clips. But if you would like to learn more, there's plenty of hyperlinks in the newsletter. So Jesse Waters isn't done. He's going to say something else in a second here that's also incredibly prob problematic. Now, why didn't he mention radical Islam? That's the thing that's driving this. So the context there is Jesse Waters is talking about President Biden not using the term radical Islam. Uh, President Obama was also criticized for the same thing. Now, I can't read President Biden's mind, but I'm going to guess that it was for similar reasons that Obama avoided using the term radical Islam. And that's because Obama didn't want people equating um, the vast majority of Muslims with radical Islam. And we just saw what can happen when people get whipped up into a frenzy of paranoia and fear about Muslims. A landlord killed a six-year-old innocent boy who happened to be Muslim and happened to be a Palestinian. Um, he was actually born in the United States. He was an American citizen, but his mother was a Palestinian immigrant who had been here for 12 years. Uh, so, yeah, that's why we shouldn't be saying stuff like that. And I would agree with President Biden if that's the reason why. So Jesse Waters is still not done. He makes some horrible assumptions about Representative Ilhan Omar in this last clip. And Omar seems angry at Jewish people more than she's angry at Hamas. And they have to understand that Hamas brought the suffering upon the Palestinian people. The Jewish people did not. So this is going to be a big problem for Joe Biden electorally, and it's going to be a big problem for the Democrats in terms of their brand. Now, for starters, he made an assumption um, on Ilhan Omar 
that was not based on what she said, because she didn't actually say what he just claimed, that she hated all Jewish people. He also conflates Jewish people with the Israeli government. And I'm going to go on a little, just give, indulge me, because this one gets me very worked up, um, why you should never, ever do that. No matter who you are, you should never conflate the two. And here we go. The global Jewish population is 15.3 million, with about 6.8 million Jews in Israel, which means 56% or a solid majority of Jews live outside of the country. Roughly 41% of the total global population lives in the United States. But Jews also live in Europe, South and Central America, Australia, Asia, Africa, as well as some countries in the Middle East that are predominantly Muslim. When someone equates the Jewish people with Israelis, they are lumping in Jews who live in Minnesota or Tokyo with the government of Israel. Jewish people around the globe cannot vote in Israeli elections and they have no say over how the country is run unless they have dual citizenship including all Jewish people with Israelis is simply inaccurate and suggests that somehow all Jews have an allegiance with the country or that they agree with and support the Israeli government. Many of the most outspoken critics of the Israeli government are Jewish people who live elsewhere. Also, about 21% of the population of Israel is Arab, spanning various religions, including Islam, Christianity, and Druze. The Israeli population should never ever be referred to as the Jewish people. Just call them Israelis or call it the Israeli government. I don't know why this is so difficult for people, but this should be to stop doing that entirely. Jews outside of Israel can have any feelings they want about the country and to lump them all in is somehow supportive is absurd. And even in Israel itself, like, <laughs> Bibi Netanyahu is not popular, which we're going to get to that later. But uh, yeah, he is not popular, not popular. So they're not a hive mind. Stop doing that. That is just an anti-Semitic trope. It's an anti-Semitic trope. It makes me crazy. One thing, just a fun fact, I did study the Torah after my divorce. I loved it. I, I didn't convert or anything. I'm agnostic, but I loved the philosophy of Judaism. And one of the things that's a tenet of the faith is they don't believe in having a Pope. There's no, C Catholics are all about a Pope. There's a Pope, there's a hierarchy with a Pope and cardinals and bishops and priests. And they all have to report back to the Pope. The Pope's supposed to be the, the kind of the leader of the whole faith. In Judaism, it doesn't work that way. Whatever rabbi you follow is the rabbi you follow. They don't have to go to a synod and get together and have a meeting and this is what we're going to tell people and this is what we're not going to tell people. Now, some rabbis are far more popular than others and they have a larger following, but um, there's a saying that they taught me in the Torah class, which is, find me 10 Jews and I'll show you 20 opinions. So not only do they not have a hierarchy with a central governing body or a central leader, they don't believe in it, it's against their faith, uh, open discussion and debate and disagreement is openly encouraged. It's the absolute opposite of Catholicism. If you've ever been to a lot of Passover seders, depending on who's at the seder, uh, at the meal, when you go through the, I'm going to, I'm not even going to attempt the word, but there's a little book and my friend Stanley and Alan Sherman used, uh, apparently they're very old school, the Maxwell House edition, their little paperback book that tells you the whole story of the Jews. And as you go through the book uh, and you do the ceremony, the ritual part of the seder, 
people will openly debate, well, what is what does this mean? And, and what did what do you think God meant here? And what do you think this meant? What, what do you think this is? And they will openly discuss it. And the first time I sat through a, a very lively debate during a Seder meal, I just kept giggling because it was the complete op. Nobody cared. It was a it was a fun Seder. But nobody uh, it was just the complete opposite of everything I'd been brought up with. So my whole point of that little tangent there is to really press upon the idea that nobody in the media should be referring to Jewish people as if they are some hive mind. That's actually an anti-Semitic trope that's been used for hundreds of years. It goes against the tenets of their faith, and it's just completely inaccurate. And then, of course, there are secular Jews who are not religious. So it's just, yeah, just don't do that. I'm not saying to you, my audience, my beloved audience, my fabulous audience, you would never do that. But people in the media do it all the time, and it makes me itch. So next up, uh, this is a shorter little compilation of times when discussing the Israeli-Hamas war, Fox News hosts just decided to talk about everything else because they have to. They can't control themselves. So let me set this up a little bit. This is Judge Janine talking about Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI, and he was saying, like, be vigilant. We might have copycats. He's not saying Hamas is here. He's saying we might have copycat uh, terrorist attacks. And this this was her response. You've got to stay vigilant, all of you out there. Well, I disagree. I think he's got to stay vigilant. I think the FBI has got to stop with the Catholics, with the pro-life people, with the uh, with the uh, 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 pro-life people, the Catholics, and the school, the parents, and everyone else, and the MAGA supporters. Maybe they should be doing things that they were supposed to do after 9/11, but decided to give up. And, and Biden's always talking about ultra MAGA, ultra MAGA. What about ultra jihadists? Mm -hmm. it, this isn't about anti-Semitism. This is about pro-political violence. And to your point earlier, these college students don't even know what gender they are, mm -hmm. but they're damn sure they know Israel's evil. <laughs> yeah, amazing. They're misgendering, misgender a guy in a dress. All right. That's hate speech. Mm -hmm. This isn't. So yes, all of that was during discussions about the Israel-Hamas war. And I just want to point out that uh, there were two references to trans people, and both of them kind of came from Greg Gutfeld. Because when Jesse Waters said it. He was referencing Greg Gutfeld, and then Greg Gutfeld made a reference. He makes uh, references to trans Americans pretty much every single week. I, I don't think there's been a week where he hasn't done it. I, I, I would love to place a bet with somebody. I don't place bets with anybody. I, I joke about that all the time on Twitter. Like, let's place a bet. But And then, that's Judge Janine. If, hey, listen, I gotta say, be vigilant. He should be the one being vigilant. Why is it my job? So if I see somebody walking around with a bomb, what am I supposed to do about it? I've got poodles to take care of and York peppermint patties to eat. She likes York peppermint patty. Oh my, I just blew out my sound. Every time I do her, I look at the sound wave uh, from my microphone and I'm like, oh my goodness, that was loud. That was loud. So just that's a little bit of sugar for you. A little bit of sugar for you. I should take a break to announce my sponsor, which... Um, Decoding Fox News is 100% supported by listeners to this podcast and readers of my newsletter. If you would like to become a financial supporter of Decoding Fox News, it's relatively inexpensive. Um, my paid subscriptions start at $5 a month. You can get a deal for $55 for the year. You can also become a supporter at Patreon. Some people just do it for a month. Some people do it for several months in a row. 
any amount you want. I don't do the tiers. I just try... I, I admit openly I don't post enough for my paid subscribers and my Patreons because I'm massively overworked. But I'm trying my darndest to be better about that. I have something coming this week for paid subscribers that is Israel-related from Fox. They did like a wacky thing on Fox Nation. Anyway, if you can't afford to become a paid subscriber, you can also share the podcast, share the newsletter with friends that also helps, share it on social media, give it a good review on any platform that you listen to the podcast on. And that's about it. You can go to my Substack for Decoding Fox News, and it'll explain how to sign up if that's what you want to do. And again, I have no large donors, I have no advertisers, and I'm owned by no one. Um, except for my cats, which we'll talk about that later. So next up, so I feel like I should announce this to you. Odin, my cat, the all black one, the long skinny one, just jumped on my lap uh, because he wants some attention. So hopefully he won't make too much noise. So this next section is, um, I saw a clip on Fox and then I saw a very similar segment on the PBS NewsHour and I decided to stick them together. Now this starts with, it was Monday, Steve Ducey invited Chad Rubicho, a former Force Recon Marine and contractor for the Department of Defense, to talk about weapons used by Hamas. So he makes a claim with no evidence whatsoever, and the wording is kind of funny that he uses because he's just blatantly saying, yeah, I don't know. Um, and then PBS includes a segment where someone actually finds weapons used by Hamas. It's very interesting. Good morning. What do you make of that? Uh, they could be using our, our weapons uh, to shoot at the Israelis. Yeah, well, well Tim's right. And, uh, and not only is Tim right, there, there are several reports from the ground, from IDF, saying that Hamas has American weapons. Uh, look, if they have U.S. weapons, they came from us leaving them behind. U.S. weapons don't just get uh, in the hands of Hamas. Our military is very strict on procedures, even at the lowest level. If, if you lose a pair of night vision goggles or a single rifle, like in a position that I was in, you're looking at losing your career. But uh, uh, the truth is, it doesn't really matter if it's true or not. The fact that it's it's possible, because President Biden left tens of billions of dollars of U.S. equipment in the hands of the Taliban, makes America either look complicit or incompetent. I don't know which one's worse. I just want to correct something very quickly. He says tens of billions of dollars. That is a common myth that is promoted partly from Trump and others on the right. The actual number was $7 billion, and yes, it's a lot. Uh, however, weapons are very expensive. We also left them for the Afghani army, which people seem to forget that there was an Afghani army that the U.S. forces had trained for years that promptly collapsed the second we left. So that's why. So this is a clip from PBS. Defense forces found a huge cache of weaponry, thousands of pieces, and they suspect that Hamas planned a much longer fight. Scattered amidst the carnage, hand grenades, anti-tank mines, artillery rounds, North Korean manufactured rocket-propelled grenades, improvised rocket launchers, and, vitally, Iranian-made mortar rounds, the first material evidence that Iran is directly supplying weaponry to Hamas in this fight. This is made in Iran, no doubt about it. We knew they have those, we knew they have mortars, but these Iranian mortars, this is the first time that we see it on this battle. It's taken bomb squads more than a week to safely disarm all these munitions. And now, here they sit, deep in an Israeli base. A testament to the sheer scale of the firepower Hamas has stockpiled. 
Now, the Israelis had stacked up all these weapons all over the place, and they were, like, very neatly uh, organized, all deactivated. And if you notice, and there was thousands, there really was thousands. You could see that in the clip. What she basically said is they found munitions from North Korea, and they found munitions from Iran. But notice she did not say the United States. And that would be a big story, so that would have been, they would have been, oh, my goodness, look, here's an American-made munitions. Now, I'm not saying that Hamas doesn't have American munitions, but the man on Fox certainly offered no proof, and he said he didn't matter. Okay, so that's kind of a nonsense segment. You're not really saying anything, and you got the number wrong on the amount of munitions that were that were left in Afghanistan. So next up, we have this woman fascinated me, and I read more about her, Iran Hasiri Ali. She's a Somalian-born former Muslim, and now she's an advocate for women. She was brought up in Somalia, ended up moving to the Netherlands later. She used to have extremist views herself and sympathized with the Muslim Brotherhood. She eventually uh, became disillusioned with Islam after the 9-11 attacks in the United States. Um, so she was also a briefly a politician in the Netherlands, but resigned over an accusation that she lied on her application for political asylum. And now she's described as an advocate for the rights and self-determination of Muslim women, opposing forced marriage, honor killing, child marriage, and female genital mutilation. Ali currently works with the Hoover Institution, a conservative public policy think tank, but she's also worked with some left-wing groups. Her, her focus is mainly women who were trapped in a radical Islamic situation, not She's not really, doesn't seem concerned at all with American politics. That was her singular focus. So I think that's why she's kind of jumped around a little bit to, with both sides on this one. So uh, Kilmeade interviews her, and this doesn't kind of go the way he thinks it's going to go, which is kind of great. This is kind of a Fox guest goes rogue a little bit. They did a poll in 2021, and 53% of the Palestinians say they believe Hamas is most deserving of representing the Palestinian people. Only 14% thought Fatah with Abbas. Uh, they prefer that secular part of them. So one would think as an outsider that they, these are the representatives that they want. I think it is very difficult to poll um, a society that is governed by an entity like Hamas. Can you imagine if you're living in a Palestinian Gaza and you say something other than that and what the consequences would be? I have talked to a number of Palestinian people over the years, and what I find is they do not represent all Palestinians. But, and this is much more important, Hamas see Palestinians not as human beings, but as pawns as tools to use in their nihilistic uh, desire to annihilate Israel and all Jews. So she had another clip that I couldn't really fit into uh, the podcast that was similar, where she was explaining um, Hamas a little bit better. So I found her fascinating, and I wanted to include a couple details because some words were dropped there with no context, and I feel like I should explain them to you a little bit. So Hamas... He talks about Fatah, and he used the term Abbas. So that is, Fatah is the political rival party that is a dominant ruling force in the occupied West Bank. Ma Mahmoud Abbas is the president of the state of Palestine and chairman of Fatah. So Fatah and Hamas have struggled for power in the region for years. Fatah recognizes Israel and wants to build a state on the 1967 borders through negotiations. 
Hamas, however, on the on the flip side, is based on a radical interpretation of Islam and seeks to eradicate all Jews and the state of Israel through armed resistance. So there's some fundamental differences between these two groups. Um, Fatah is, I guess, now people may argue with me that Fatah is not more reasonable, but at least from what I could find in my research, Fatah is considered more reasonable because they want to negotiate with Israel. They recognize Israel as a country, um, whereas Hamas does not. Hamas wants all the land. Hamas wants to, they say openly, kill and murder every Jew on the planet. They want to kill every Jew on Israel, but they also have no problem with killing Jews elsewhere. And uh, when Hamas uh, committed the atrocities on October 7th, they also killed, this is well documented now, Arabs who were living among Jews because they considered them traitors and actually said stuff like, you're worse than Israel. So, yeah, harsh. So next clip, this is a very quick one, uh, but I did audibly scream. This is true. I wrote that in the um, newsletter. I'm going to play the clip. This is Sean Hannity. And this is from Wednesday. I won't. Ex the clip needs no explanation. I'm just going to play it, and then you'll find out why I audibly screamed. Now more than ever, America and the world needs a strong leader with a clear message, a, a person with moral clarity, like Bibi Netanyahu. Okay, I screamed. I did scream. This is true. This did happen. Now I screamed because of the term, the phrase "moral clarity" and Bibi Netanyahu being used in the same phrase. Now you may love Bibi Netanyahu. You might be a big fan. Okay, I get it. You might hate Bibi Netanyahu. I get it. The reason why moral clarity and Bibi Netanyahu caused me to go, what? Is because he has been facing charges for, since 2020 is when his trial actually started. I believe the investigation started in 2018 for bribery, fraud, breach of trust in three separate cases. 40 people have already testified against him. Many of them were close associates of him at some time. And what they said was all bad. Now, he hasn't been able, this, for many reasons, trials in Israel can take a long time. And this trial has been delayed multiple times. This is how crazy this situation is. He is on trial for corruption while he's the prime minister of the country, which is one reason why critics say he wanted to limit the power of the courts. Ha <laughs> ha. He's also been compared to Trump numerous times. So he's, he's very much about his own ego. He's very much a populist. He surrounds himself with people who do not challenge him at all. Very much loyalist. He'll throw people under the bus like Trump. Um, Trump is mad at him because he endorsed Biden right away. That's one of the reasons why he's mad at him when Biden became president. Netanyahu like immediately was like, oh, congratulations. And Trump was like, how dare you? So yeah, there's a lot of parallels between the two of them. And uh, critics argue that Bibi Netanyahu was trying to weaken the courts just to save himself, which does that sound familiar as well? Trying to run for office to save yourself from a possible prison time. Very similar. Lots of parallels with these two. Um, and what's frustrating about this is that Fox constantly ignores Israel so they can just make up whatever narrative they want to their audience when Israel becomes important enough to do stories on, which right now they are. And I also want to point out, and this has been well documented, and again, there's evidence to support this, that Hamas made the strike on October 7th partly because they were exploiting the internal divisions within Israel itself and figured this is a good time to do it. And Israel was fighting, there were protests all over the country again, because Bibi Netanyahu was trying to weaken the courts, some would say, to save himself. That could be easily argued. Um, and weaken democracy in the country. 
So, yeah. And right now he's polling terribly. Most Israelis want to get rid of him. They don't like him. He's he, They blame him for the attack. So to moral clarity and Bibi Netanyahu, that was funny to me. Now, the next one is a very funny, rare moment, which is a clutch your pearls. Clutch your pearls. Clutch them. Clutch them tightly. My clutch your pearls is sometimes Southern and she's sometimes British. It depends on the day. And today she's Southern. But the Southern accent comes from the British. I could go on about that for days. But anyway, clutch your pearls, Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity clutching, clutching tightly. Here we go. For every member of the mob asking uh, and saying, how dare Hannity ask these questions? Do you even know what my job is? You don't even know what your own job is. I'm a member of the press, whether you like it or not. I am a talk show host on radio and TV. I could produce thousands of hours of television and radio coverage that is straight cover, straight news coverage. We also do investigative reporting, you know. So let me give some much-needed context for that clip. So what happened, it got revealed in the press. Sean Hannity thought this was a great idea. He was personally calling members of Congress to urge them to vote for Jim Jordan as speaker. And apparently his producer was doing the same thing. They were just calling people up and saying, yeah, you need to vote for Jim Jordan for speaker. And this got leaked to the press and, and Hannity was widely criticized for that because that's insane. Like, what are you, are the members of the press are we're supposed to be neutral. You can't call up politicians. We're not even supposed to go to a rally. Like members of the press are not supposed to post like endorse this candidate online. They're not supposed to uh, give money. Some some media companies won't allow you to give donations to political candidates. You're not supposed to go to rallies. It depends on the company. Some companies are a little bit more lax on that. Um, but yeah, you're not supposed to be doing any of that, much less calling up members of Congress. This is like why Fox News is such a joke. And if anybody did that from MSNBC, of course, Fox would lose their minds. But Fox doesn't even care. They say we when they're discussing the uh, Republican Party. So, yeah. And I also thought it was funny that he was like, I am a member of the press. Uh, Hannity for years has said he's not a journalist and has referred to himself as a talk show host, which he also did there. So this next one is Newt Gingrich, a former Speaker of the House, also very worked up about the fact that the GOP cannot get their act together. Uh, and my sense from talking to people in the House tonight is that in the next vote, he might actually get fewer, not more votes. If that happens, we can't sit around and suck our thumbs and hope the world will wait until the House Republicans get their act together. You're, you're, every day we're closer to the end of the continuing resolution. Every day we're closer to a huge age package uh, for, for Israel that has to be passed. Every day we are failing to do the investigations we need to be doing. And so if in a worst case, I think that we've had our two best shots, Scalise and Jordan. If Jordan can win, I am totally for him. This is not to undercut him. I, and Jim is a good guy. He's a very competitive guy, as you know. He's 156 to 1 uh, in high school wrestling. He was twice the NCAA wrestling champion for the country. He's a very competitive, very smart guy. So I don't know if I would be bringing up Jim Jordan's wrestling career when trying to sing the praises of Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan is part of a lawsuit by several players of Ohio State wrestling team uh, who claim they were abused, sexually abused by a team physician. Uh, so several players have said that Jim Jordan knew about it and didn't do anything about it, didn't do anything to protect them. I just want to say again that this is alleged. I don't know, you know, I have no proof of anything. This is just based on a lawsuit. 
Um, the physician who apparently committed these acts killed himself in 2005. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I'd be bringing that up when trying to sing the praises of Jim Jordan, who, by the way, dropped out of his race to become the speaker because he just couldn't get enough votes. Now, this next clip is my favorite type of clip from Fox News when somebody on Fox gets angry about uh, something going on with the Republican Party or gets very disappointed by the Republican Party. And this is Brian Kilmeade expressing his disgust on Fox and Friends with the fact that the GOP has does not have a speaker yet. Aid packages. If the Republicans just are very determined not to have a voice, it seems. Whatever they do, right? they want to make sure that they don't have a voice. And that's Matt Gates and his seven geniuses. Well, just... This is what he got. He had no plan. He just wanted to blow the place up. So behind the scenes, yesterday it was all about vote for me because let's make a deal. I got a feeling a whole bunch of deals were made yesterday. It is uh, what a carnival of idiots. Uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> the land of misfit toys. It's unbelievable. Up next. Couldn't you just listen to that on a loop? You know, just clips of them complaining about Republicans. It's like my favorite thing to capture on Fox. Steve Ducey going rogue or people complaining about Republicans on Fox or having a meltdown because the Republican Party is not doing well. I love it. Live for it. Can't get enough of it. Uh, sadly, I didn't get a lot of them lately, but that that nugget, I'll take it, Brian Kilmeade. I'll take it. Also, I thought it was funny that somebody on Twitter got very worked up that Ansley Einhardt said the land of misfit toys and not the island of misfit toys, which we all know. If you don't know the reference, it's from a uh, version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer's Reindeer that most of us watched as children by Rankin and Bass. I was completely obsessed. I know every single movie. I've seen every single movie, even the weird ones that aren't very good. I've watched them and I've loved them all. Love them all. My favorite is Rudolph's Shiny New Year, which why? Because it's got a baby who has giant ears that pop out of a hat. I'm giving spoilers, spoilers. And the best character in the entire movie is the baby bear because they go to visit the three bears and the baby bear has a little chat with the baby who has giant ears. And it's the best moment in the entire movie. It's the best moment in all of the movies. But I know I've gotten in fights with people over this because of the heat miser, cold miser in a year without a Santa Claus. I've watched every movie. And another classic, if you've never seen them, is the Peter Cottondale episode, which includes they go on this little like time machine situation where they go to every single holiday. And as a little kid, that blew my mind. They had eggs. They kept painting them. And they went to every single holiday, went to every single holiday. Are you kidding? Vincent Price was one of the voices in it. I can't even can't even handle it. I watch it every year. I don't care. I don't have children. I have two cats. I'm a weirdo. I live in a tiny apartment in Brooklyn. And I watch the Rankin and Bass shows every single year. I own them. So now moving on to stories Fox News ignored. Every week I compare the hours that I watch on Fox to five hours of the PBS NewsHour. The following list are stories that PBS covered that Fox News did not. I'm still working on the crazy long list of stories about Israel-Palestine that uh, PBS covered since I started this project that Fox ignored. It's over 70 um, I'm just, I kind of have to go back through some archives to find stuff, so it's taken a minute. So here we go, starting with climate disasters. Fox never reports on climate disasters unless they're in the U.S. Uh, here we go. So Scotland was hit with 26.4 inches of rain, combined with 70 mile per hour winds when Storm Babette 
slammed into the area, which caused extreme flooding. At least three people were killed and 33,000 people lost power in the region. The U.S. government has reached a settlement with migrant families who were separated under the Trump administration's family separation policy. Affected immigrants will be allowed to stay in the country and receive a three-year renewable work permit, plus assistance in finding housing. The settlement also prevents the federal government from implementing a similar program for eight years. In Poland, the Civic Coalition, KO Party, in a coalition with other pro-European political parties, is set to overtake the ruling populist party. Center-right candidate Daniel Noboa, the son of a wealthy banana planter, will become Ecuador's next president. The Right Aid pharmacy chain filed for bankruptcy protection. The company was saddled with massive debt caused partly due to 1,600 opioid lawsuits from state and local governments, hospitals, and individuals. The federal government has accused Right Aid of ignoring red flags while il- f- filling illegal opioid prescriptions. PBS produced a segment about how college essays have changed since the Supreme Court ruled against affirmative action programs in higher education. The Senate Judiciary Committee will hold a hearing on the NCAA, the future of college sports and student-athletes profiting from name, image, or likeness deals. Jacob Liu, Biden's nominee to be ambassador to Israel, told senators last week that he would ensure Israel has what it needs to defend itself and would work with the U.S. ally to end the attacks by Hamas if he were confirmed. Police in Germany are searching for the assailants who tried to firebomb a synagogue in Berlin. Vladimir Putin said that the U.S. is going too far in aiding Ukraine. The average U.S. family's net worth increased 37 percent between 2019 and 2022, partly due to increased home values. The share of families who'd filed for bankruptcy in the past five years fell to just 1.3 percent from 2 percent in 2019 and 3% in 2016. PBS produced a segment about the effect of police brutality and the Native American population. Federal regulators have approved a new gas pipeline in the Pacific Northwest. The Federal Reserve Chairman, Jerome H. Powell, said in a speech last week that the central bank might need to raise interest rates more if economic data continued to come in hot. Nokia, the Finnish telecommunications giant, plans to cut 14,000 jobs after a plunge of 69% in profits. Senator LaFonza Butler, who was appointed by California Governor Gavin Newsom after the death of Senator Dianne Feinstein, said that she would not run for the seat at the end of her term, saying, This is not the greatest use of my voice. A new law in the European Union that went into effect in August makes big tech companies, including Amazon, Google, X, Meta, and TikTok, legally responsible for the content that appears on their platforms. According to the Pentagon, China is building new nuclear weapons faster than U.S. officials anticipated. Alus Kermashiva, a Russian-American journalist working for the U.S. government-funded media company, was just detained in Russia and charged with failing to register as a foreign agent. She is the second American journalist to be arrested and charged in Russia this year. And finally, and for some reason I had to like add this at the last second because it was there, but it got deleted probably when my Wi-Fi went out. This is the big one. 
Former attorney for Donald J. Trump, Sidney Powell, pleaded guilty to charges in the Georgia election subversion case. As part of her plea deal, she has agreed to testify against other co-defendants in the criminal case. Another attorney, Kenneth Cheesebro, pleaded guilty to felony charge for conspiring to overturn the 2020 elections in Georgia. In the plea deal, he agreed to testify against his co-conspirators in the racketeering case brought by Georgia prosecutors against President Trump and others. Exciting! That's the biggest one. And yes, Fox didn't even mention it. Didn't even mention it. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. How did you not mention that? How did you not mention that? But they did not mention it at all. Didn't come up. So next, we move on to by the numbers. And that's when I look at the crazy graphs that I make every single week. Here we go, here we go, here we go. So um, every week I compare Fox News to the PBS NewsHour, uh, PBS being a nonpartisan news source. So last week, uh, top five topics were Israel-Hamas war for 75% of the viewing time, Biden bashing for 9%. Those were just segments that were just dedicated to ripping on our president. 6% for there's no Speaker of the House, 1% for one more thing, and 1% border crisis. Now, one more thing is the goofy segment they do at the end of each episode of The Five. So that's how bad it was when <laughs> there's nothing else. There's nothing else. Every single segment was Israel Hamas, Israel Hamas. So PBS NewsHour, same week, top five topics for the week were 43% is Israel-Hamas war. 18%, no Speaker of the House. 10% was artist profile, and that's various different artists. They get specific funding for that, I found out. 3% Native American police reform. And 3% college essays after affirmative action repeal. And then we have words used on Fox News for the week ending uh, October 22nd, 2023. Israel, for again, a whopping 1,170 times. Hamas. 661, Gaza, 372, Biden, 340, Iran, 304, Hezbollah, 114, Speaker, 94, Trump, only 66 times, Jim Jordan, 57, Russia, 42, West Bank, 32, China, 27, Crime, 26, College Campuses, 22, Ilian Omar, 22. Rashida Tlaib, 13. AOC, 9. Hunter Biden made the list, even though they barely talked about him, five times. Inflation, one. And then I put in trial to see if they mentioned anywhere Trump and his trials, which he has a, a bunch of stuff happened. And there were zero, zero mentions of trial. So those were the words for the week. Very quickly before I wrap it up, uh, play this quick clip. Uh, this is a bonus clip. This was two gentlemen, they're two people. They're gonna kind of sound the same, but they're two different people who managed to get in a thank you, Joe Biden, uh, while they were talking on Fox News. And I thought that was great because you could tell that the Fox News hosts were like, don't say that. And yet they did anyway, here we go. Okay, before I speak, I, I, I do wanna say my sincere, um, and the importance of uh, the visits that Israel had in the past two days. The President of the United States, uh, President Biden, was here. We had a visit just a few hours ago of the governor of New York City here. And I, I really want to want to thank you and, and the people in the States for this amazing, amazing uh, support. 
I'm not sure how much people realize how this is important for the resilience of the Israelis here. You, America, thank you, President Biden, for your support. Thank you very much. Thank you. God Thanks, bless you. General. So one man was a doctor and the second man was a, a major general, a retired major general. And they both just stuck that in there. And I was like, go, go, because <laughs> I'm sure Fox doesn't want them thanking President Biden. But they did. And that's great. So thanks for listening. If you'd like to become a paid subscriber of Decoding Fox News, you can go to my Substack. You can go to my Patreon. Um, there's also a dollar sign next to my name. Some people are nice enough to just spontaneously send stuff. It all goes to the same fund. Um, and uh, it's I'm, I'm at kind of a survival wage right now, but I think it's going to get better because this project continues to grow every single week. Thank you so much for your support. My cats, uh, Odin and Thor, would also like to thank you for your support. Um, Odin is sitting right next to me, curled up and purring. You would love him if you met him. I will see you at the next podcast. 